Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin. I'm Amanda. What? (laughs) Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin. No. Yeah, I'm done. I give up. You don't want to guess? Nope, I give up. This is the podcast where we talk music and we take an album and we give you the history behind it and how well it charted and why it was so popular. And this week we're doing Led Zeppelin's Led Zeppelin 2. Led Zeppelin 3. Before we get into that. Oh, I do have a question for you. Hmm. Was this a Black Sabbath album? What? I don't, I don't understand. I'm just asking. No, it was not. Okay. I didn't know if Black Sabbath released Led Zeppelin 2. So, it is an, it's an Stupid. honest question. No, it is not. You're just being annoying. Um, so, before we get into that, do you want me to explain my name? Sure. Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin is the guy that created the Zeppelin. Okay, so that should have been who I was in this episode. Yes, it was, and I stole it from you. You didn't even get a chance. I did some extra research trying to come up with my fake name. Because I don't do any research. Yeah, so... Um, do you have any corrections from last week? Last week was Oasis. Oasis's was the Oasis episode. Oasis's episode. Um, no, I just finished editing it and I didn't hear anything right away. Okay, um, I don't think I have any corrections either, but I'm sure you know Neighbor Redacted Number Two might come at me with some corrections that I'll have to address later on down the line because I'm sure I said something wrong. So, um. Why don't I just get into it then? So as I said, we're doing Led Zeppelin's Led Zeppelin 2. And I'm going to butcher... I'm going to stumble over this. Just call it 2. Just 2. Okay. Um, It was released October 22nd, 1969 and is number 47 on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list that we're pulling from. And again, um, it's been a while since I mentioned what that list is. It's the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's definitive list of 200 albums. And it's... um, Yes, they're all albums. They are definitively albums. It's from 2007, due for an update, but top 200 albums according to Rolling Stone, or uh, no, hard, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Almost said hard rock. Um, so this is number 47 on that list. So as you could have guessed by the title, Led Zeppelin 2 is the band's Third second, album. <laughs> second album. It's also their second album within a year and is widely considered to be one of rock's greatest albums ever. The album was mostly written and recorded while Zeppelin were touring for their debut and was released just nine months after. Recording sessions took place at a number of different locations in the UK and North America over the course of January through August, which e- with each song being recorded, mixed, and produced at a different studio. So already you've got the chaos. Band. Yeah, you've got the band touring for their first album, which was called Deep Purple. <laughs> um, and while they're on the road, they're taking the time to go into studios and record their second album. And we were talking last week with Oasis how um, was the story Morning Glory was their second album and. Noel even said, like, typically, 
second albums are notoriously shit. Here we have an, the second album from a group, which is considered to be one of the best rock albums ever. Paranoid? Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty interesting. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's grunge. Yeah, but I'll... Th- there, second album. There's four second albums that are all on this list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Red Lightning's on this list, too. But enough. So, Go yes. ahead. Um, so this tour was actually four separate tours. Their third one started in the U.S. in July, where the group were to perform at the Atlanta Pop Festival, the Newport Jazz Festival, and the Dallas International Festival. They were also asked to be a part of Woodstock, but their manager said no and chose dates in Phoenix, New Jersey, and Connecticut instead, believing they would just be, quote, another band on the bill at Woodstock. That would have been an interesting... It would already have been an interesting show to go to. Mm-hmm. But you have probably... You but know, you have Hendrix and Zeppelin Yeah, perhaps together. one of the biggest names. Considered... Was Clapton there? I don't know. Because if he was, then you have what's considered three of the best guitarists, especially in that time frame, all on the same um, stage. Yeah, different yeah. times, but I'm sure you so. could have. I'm sure you could have talked them into playing yeah. something together. Yeah, the songs on two <laughs> are a mixture of American blues, English folk, and rock with with psychedelic fla- flares. Paving the way for what would be called hard rock. Can I interrupt real yeah. quick? Because especially with what we've listened to recently, I thought I was hearing more of a, like a Stevie Ray Vaughan. It's kind of like a mix. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a it's a heavier. I had it was a cross between Black Sabbath and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Mm-hmm. But this is this album kind of started the genre of hard rock and i i'm glad that you are defining it as rock because i would i've there are i've seen publications where it's classified as like one of the first metal albums Mm -hmm. and i would not classify this as metal because yes it may have the sound quality but i think there's also a lyrical aspect to -hmm. the heavy metal which is like some of that supernatural on black Sabbath's debut Mm -hmm. so yeah rock yeah okay jimmy page along with help of engineer eddie kramer would just turn random knobs on the console in order to stretch the sound and make it something new and different page also experimented with the mic placement especially with the drums he noticed that if you moved the microphone away from the drums the sound would have room to breathe that's something he that's a quote from him this album became so popular that it not only helped the band break into the U.S., but it was the album that removed Abbey Road by the Beatles from the top of the charts. You always okay. look like you're going to say something. No, because I'm trying to think of what else would have been out at that time frame, because our experience would have been earlier. Deep Purple's wasn't great yet, and even if it was, it it was uh, Machine Head that would have been. Mm-hmm. Paranoid wouldn't have had that reach yet. And then uh, there's a bunch of other late 60s early 70s bands but none of them i i i was trying to rack my brain and think of a stones album Mm -hmm. because that would have been the first reaction to it but we have another one just like oasis 
their first album definitely maybe was a hit in the UK, wasn't a hit here. It was their second one, What's the Story, Morning Glory, that was successful here. And it's the same thing we're seeing in this story, too. Their first album did well there, didn't do well here, and it was two that really broke them into the mainstream here. Uh, One of the most interesting things here is not only how Led Zeppelin just skipped over the dreaded second album syndrome or the sophomore slump, but they just knocked it out of the park. Their self-titled debut hit gold status as they were just about finishing up with this album, and then this one just exploded, making the quartet one of the biggest bands ever. It was kind of a weird phenomenon in that their first album was already one of the best-selling debut albums ever. Two surpassed that and then some. However, that might have something to do with who Led Zeppelin was. They weren't friends who grew up together and got lucky with a debut. They all had experience. Jimmy Page started Led Zeppelin right after leaving the Yardbirds. With Clapton and Harrison? I think so. The rest of the gang, Robert Plant, John Paul Jones, and John Bonham, were all accomplished musicians in their own right. So despite the fact that they hadn't been together long before they their debut, they were very experienced. So they've all done a lot of work prior to this. And they then when they came together, like I said, they weren't together very long. But each of them brought something big to the table that allowed them to create something special. So getting into my fun facts. Okay. Fun fact. Production for this album was all songwriter and lead guitarist Jimmy Page. It was also the first time Page was featured playing a 1959 Gibson Les Paul, the electric guitar that he would go on to make popular. Fun fact. I said that like it was a question. <laughs> Fun fact. The cover art was an even was an even. The cover art was even nominated for a Grammy for best recording package, which I didn't know was a thing. Wasn't Sgt. Pepper's? I don't think so. I thought it was. I thought the cover was nominated. Maybe that's a fact that you brought to the table that I didn't listen to. I don't know. I will look that up. While you're looking that up, here's my last fun fact. Moby Dick features an extended drum solo done by John Bonham, emphasis on extended. Over the years, this drum solo would get longer and longer and sometimes would go on for a half an hour. It's considered to be the greatest drum solo of all time. And I I don't have this fact right in front of me, but I think he would also play with his hands and not his drumsticks at times. Mm-hmm. But I, when I read that, I was like, that's me. Like, every time I tell, like, this, if I have to keep repeating a story, every time I tell the story, I change a fact and I make something, like, I exaggerate something more and more and more until it gets, like, completely ridiculous. That's me. Because I think they would take their, they would do their band introductions and start playing that and then he, they let him go off and they just kind of go away then they'd come back eventually mm-hmm. it's like i'm getting tired we gotta be done with this but i'm trying to find that sergeant pepper's thing okay well go ahead i'll just continue so i'm now i'm going to move on to the cultural impact and like how it charted and all that stuff 
So Led Zeppelin II was the band's first album to reach the top spot on both U.S. and U.K. charts. It has been certified diamond and has sold over 12 million copies. By the time it was released, it already had a half a million copies in advanced orders. After dethroning Abbey Road, Led Zeppelin II stayed at the number one spot for seven weeks. It stayed on the UK charts for a total of 138 consecutive weeks and was still on the charts when they released Led Zeppelin III. There was only one single... Oh, yes, did you find it? Yeah, this is from the Paul McCartney Project. Dot com. It's from February 29th, 1968. Uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band wins four Grammy Awards. Album of the Year, Best Contemporary Album, Engineered Record, and Album Cover. Oh. Okay. Oh, it wasn't a thing I remembered. Maybe I should go back and listen to our very first crappy episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was only one single released from the album, Whole Lot of Love, which was also their first top ten hit. It helped the album to sell 3 million copies in just six months. Although Led Zeppelin IV, which contains your favorite song, yep. Stairway to Heaven, is their biggest selling record, it was this album that really paved the way for other artists to expand the hard rock and later heavy metal genres. Don't at me. You said later to expand mm -hmm. on it. I'm okay with that. We can hear massive guitar riffs, a huge rhythm section, and gentle melodies in other bands like Aerosmith and Def Leppard, De Def Leppard back then, all the way to big guitar bands like The Music, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, and The Darkness Today. No? I know The Darkness. I think I know. I might know the other two. Okay, so this is my last point. Um, and before I get into it... Um, I didn't have a lot of information here. It was very, very vague. It just was like, but we, we've come across that more and more where like, if we have a really good story of how it was created, we don't have a lot of like, why it was popular or anything. It just, I think most of the time it's just popular because people liked it and people bought it. Um, I don't have a lot of like, like when we did Smashing Pumpkins, I give you a whole list of other artists that were influenced by that album. I didn't have that here, um, but I think these these were just kind of like I think the OGs. I think people are more inspired by one and four mm -hmm. than this or them as a whole. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think there's many instances that I'm aware of that people specifically point to two. As being their inspiration. I think they point to him as a whole. Mm -hmm. But. So my last little note here. Is um, a lot of articles. That I read. Specifically the ones where they ranked. All of Led Zeppelin's albums. Talked about the impact that whole lot of love. Had on them. Especially that guitar riff. All of these authors talked about how it was just. That specific song that opens this album. Was either their first experience with the band. Or how it made them question their existence whatever whole lot of love is considered by many to be such a close second to stairway it's just that impactful so i think that right there is the reason why so many people hold this album in such high regard because it was their first experience with zeppelin and it and opens it, with a whole lot of love yeah, and that and is such a strong song and stairways i think at the end of 
I think it's either at the end of side one or at the beginning of side two. So it's not something that you get to right away. It's not right a away. first impression. Whole Lot of Love was I, a great I, first impression. I think it's rock and roll is the opener. Mm-hmm. But that is all I had. Um, and I know that was kind of short. Um, and I was hoping for more coming from Led Zeppelin. But a lot of others are on this list. Four is on definitely on this list. So I'm... That's the only... I don't know if physical graffiti would be on here. Physical graffiti Okay, so then there's three on here. So um, I'm hoping to find more information when it comes to that. But based on what I read, it sounded like these guys were just, like, just down to work. They didn't go out and party. They didn't go out and, like, do a lot of stuff. It's just like, hey, we're going to do our show, and then we're going to spend time in the studio and... Bonham was a heavy partier. Yes, yeah. Because he's, but, part, I think he was part of the Hollywood Vampires. So, but at this time, yeah, when they st- when they started before they really became huge, I think they were just like, hey, we got to keep chugging this stuff out and getting it down. So, I think. Okay. So, look, you want me to get my resources? No, because I have something to add. Okay. So, did you know? Oh God. That there is another version of this album out there. Is that what you were playing for me earlier? It is not Led Zeppelin. Then technically, yes, I do know because you literally played it for me before we started recording. Train. That was Train? Train did an entire... Cover of this? this Train does Led Zeppelin 2, covers Led Zeppelin 2 in its entirety. All profits from sales of the album went to the San Francisco-based charity Family House. But that was in 2016. And it doesn't sound that bad. (laughs) You you know, you think, you hear Train and then you think Led Zeppelin. You're like, you see the dots and you're trying to connect the dots. You're like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Well, I mean, uh, who is it? Ryan Adams did a whole... 1989. Yeah, Taylor Swift. Obviously, it's not going to sound like Taylor Well, Swift. no, that's that's done a completely different style, though. This is the same. It's it's a straight cover of it mm. instead of like a like a Richard Cheese doing it. You know what I mean? It, it's a, it's Richard Cheese doing Down with the Sickness, but it's a completely different style, which is more the, the Ryan Adams to Taylor Swift one. This is more just a direct cover. Okay. That's all I had. Oh, thank you. I thought that was interesting. Okay. So, uh, thank you to Album EP Reviews, Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin 2 by Neil Arnold. No date on MetalForcesMagazine.com. Thank you to Led Zeppelin 2, No Author, No Date on Store.Rhino.com. Thank you to Led Zeppelin 2, Led Zeppelin, No Author, No Date on KC95.com. Thank you to Led Zeppelin's Led Zeppelin 2... I'm gonna (laughs) shut up Led Zeppelin's Led Zeppelin 2 turns 50 by Sarah Palantonio published October 20th 2019 on albumism.com thank you to number 123 Led Zeppelin Led Zeppelin 2 1969 by Fresh Sweets published April 30th 2021 on guns and ammo rs500albums.com Thank you to Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin 2, by Face Off Staff, published October 22nd, 2022, on 
en.faceofffrockshow.com. Thank you to How Led Zeppelin 2 Change the Face of Rock Music by Dave Lewis, published June 30th, 2020 on loudersound.com. Thank you to 50 Years of Led Zeppelin 2, No Author, No Date, on weareclassicrockers.com. And thank you to How Led Zeppelin 2 Defied the Second Album Syndrome to Become a Classic by Jack Watley, published two years ago on fireoutmagazine.co.uk. Well, that's helpful. So, um, all right, Evan, I talked a bunch. I'm going to take a cider, hard cider break, and you can give me your review. So I'm actually in a little bit of a different position than you are when it comes to my review for this album. So I know that when we did Black Sabbath, you're like, oh, I'm going to go listen to more of them. And then you never did. We've talked about Bowie recently. Oh, I'm going to go check out more of his stuff. Never did. Oh, there's this third band of this episode that I that we did. I don't remember what it was, but I'm going to go check out more of them. Never did. So, in this big music project, I've actually listened to all of Led Zeppelin's albums in the last six months. It was probably in March. So, it's a bit fresh compared to everything else. Listen to it again. My... Original opinion of it has not changed. I still kept the same tracks that I did the first time. I kept Whole Lot of Love, Heartbreaker, Living Loving Maid, Ramble On, and Moby Dick. That's what I kept the first time. The interesting thing about this is most of the albums that we've talked about have such a strong A side Mm -hmm. and then fall off on the second half. I don't know exactly where the break is, but most of that is the second side of the album. Because if, if it starts at Heartbreaker, Living, Love, and Made, I think that's five and six. So that would be the back half of the album is, I, is to me, better than the front half, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. The other thing that might surprise you is that I'm not a huge Led Zeppelin fan. No. But no, I'm not, or no, that doesn't surprise you? No, I know that. I don't, I don't mind them, but in my, doing my research, I have, I see how many tracks are on each album. Like, I think the first album has eight tracks to it. And if I kept two, it kept 25% of the album. And I did, I know how much roughly I've kept percentage-wise off of each album. This is the album that I've kept the most off of. So, in my opinion, this would be their best one. Which is seems what you were getting is like their bet was at their time that four is their best selling, but this is the the one that really yeah. their first experience with right. it. Right. So I thought that was interesting doing crunching the numbers and realizing that yes, this is in my opinion where where it goes with kind of what you were saying. Like mm-hmm. it's the it's like the big breakthrough. So. So what do you give it? Like a B plus. So, I'm slightly offended. You know you could have started all of that without calling me out for not going back and listening to other albums of artists. You could have just said, I listened to this, all of this recently. And you could have left it at that. I could have. But you Choices didn't. were made. Yeah. They and- may have been wrong choices, but choices <laughs> were made. Okay. So, is that your quick, yes, concise? Yes, like quick. Okay. Quick to the point. I don't drag everything out. I do. Yes. 
So, um, of course, I know who Led Zeppelin is, um, but I think they're kind of in the same category as Pink, Pink Floyd for me. I think they're good, and I know quite a bit of their stuff, but it's really only the major stuff that still plays on classic rock stations, like Ree Stairway. And I think Ramble On is... I think Ramble On and Heartbreaker are played. Mm-hmm. And a whole lot of love, I hear a lot. Well, and you said that Whole Lot of Love was the only really single. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that there's still stuff that wasn't released at the time mm-hmm. that's co- that is being re- is still being played. Right. Uh, so based on titles alone, I knew I would recognize Whole Lot of Love and Ramble On, and the rest of it was going to be up in the air for me. I also knew that I would already keep Whole Lot of Love and Ramble On. There's just something about them as a unit that is so good. I've just never went back to check out stuff. I mean, I hear it all the time. We listen to classic rock most of the week, and I just, I hear a lot of the same songs. all So I just, I never go back, you know. As I listened, I did recognize some others. Uh, we listened to, I think, three different classic rock stations, one of which was playing Stairway as I was finishing up these notes. Um, so I wasn't surprised that I would recognize more from this album. I ended up recognizing what is and what should be a heartbreaker and living loving maid she's just a woman i figured you'd recognize by heartbreaker and living mm-hmm. loving maid uh i didn't care for thank you but it wasn't bad i think just compared to the rest of it this one was kind of lacking a bit but as a whole it's a really good album and i was kind of surprised that i recognized just a little over half of it usually when we get into big names like this i only know the big hits and don't know anything else so that was a good surprise Um, I'm keeping everything except Thank You and Moby Dick. I thought Moby Dick was good, but I tend to stay away from just instrumentals. I love to see this live, though, just maybe not the half-hour solo version of it. There's a, I think, How the West Was Won, I think, is is one of their live albums. I think that one's like 20 minutes. I would have loved to go see him, and I would have loved to go see Pert from mm-hmm. rush at one point just just to see their drum solo the rest of it i can hit or miss but mm-hmm. would have loved to go see that but before inter- evan interrupted me the only thing i had left was my rating and i gave it an a and then once again i'm gonna ask do you have any final thoughts on it yes i think in my opinion it's their best album okay very good and the the train version isn't bad. It's it's not necessarily as good, but it's if you if you don't know the if you you can tell if you've listened to a lot of Zeppelin that there's a difference in the voice, but if you're just throwing it on, you're like, "Okay, this is this is what Zeppelin sounds like." Mhm. So, overall, I'm happy we started with this album. Uh, There are four more albums on this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list that we're going to get to, um, which is their debut. Oh, that's on there? I didn't know that. Yep, their debut, Led Zeppelin, Physical Graffiti, Houses of the Holy, Mm. and of course, Led Zeppelin 4. I'm happy that we got to start here, and I am excited to get into the rest of them. I'm hoping that it'll make me want to get into the other three albums that are not on this list, rather than just trying to keep the songs I already know. And you know you know one off of three that's not on this list. I think that's the one with Immigrant Song. Probably. I like that song. So that there are songs that you know mm-hmm. that aren't going to show up on these albums. Right. Right. Um, all right. So that is it for Led Zeppelin. Um, do you have 
Are we doing this day in history? Or are I we have, doing birthdays? I have we... lots of things to talk about. All right. You... But let's start with birthdays. All right. I'm going to drink. Okay. So there are going to be a couple. Here. Let's turn this into a game. Drink every time you get one wrong. Oh, God damn. I'm going to need more alcohol. June 23rd. American singer, songwriter, actress, June Carter Cash, wife of Johnny Cash. You have to be within f- three years to count it as a not drink. But I use the very first one as a basis of where I'm going for the rest of them. 1925. 29. God damn. Nikki Sullivan. Guitarist, singer, one of the three original members of Buddy Holly's backing group. Do you know what the band was? Crickets. The Crickets. Co-wrote a number of his hit songs and sang backup vocals on 27 of the 32 songs Buddy recorded over his brief career. 1935. 37. No, oh, no you're I good have, on that one. I'm good. I don't drink. Uh, Stuart Sutcliffe. Original bassist. For, mm, he was living in Germany at the time of his death. For what? I'm getting there. He was 22 when he died. The band that he was in had not released any material at that point or any of the studio albums, but they blew the fuck up and took the number one spots all the time. He was a member of the Beatles. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 38. 40. Yay, no drinky. Uh, I know of the name. I was, I was starting to see the second one. Uh, Robert Hunter, American lyricist, singer, songwriter, and poet, best known for his work with the Grateful Dead and collaborating with singer songwriter Bob Dylan. 1940. 41. American bassist Anthony Jackson, who has performed as a session musician and live artist. He's also credited with the development of the modern six-string bass. As a member of the Billy Paul Band, Jackson played on the 1972 hit Me and Mrs. Jones. He has worked with many artists including Madonna, Roberta Flack, Chaka Khan, Donald Fagan, and Simon and Garfunkel. 1943. 52. Oh my god. Lee John from English three-piece band Imagination who had the 1982 UK number two single, Just an Illusion. 1956. 57. I should have to drink if you get it right. Dead on. Steve Shelley, drummer with American alternative rock band Sonic Youth, who had the 1993 UK hit single, Sugarcane. The band is considered to be a pivotal influence on the alternative and indie rock movements. 63. 62. We were talking about them last week. English musician Paul Bonehead Arthurs, one of the founder founder members of Oasis's. Oasis's. Their first single, Supersonic, was released in 94, and their 94 UK number one album, Definitely Maybe, became the fastest selling UK debut album ever. Quit the band in 99. So what year was Morning Glory? 96. So he would have been on that one. 1966. 65. Ooh. Scottish singer-songwriter 
KT Tunstall. Tunstall? Tunstall. Who had the 2005 UK number three album, Eye to the Telescope. 68. 75. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then we'll do one more so you can finish out your drink. Anthony Costa, singer with English boy band Blue, who had the 2002 UK number one single, If You Came Back. The group also worked alongside artists such as Stevie Wonder, Elton John, and Lil' Kim. Um, 1981. 81. Yeah! So that means I gotta finish your drink. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's what sound I make when I drink your drinks. So, on this day. Nope. You missed three birthdays today. Do you, it's June 23rd. Do you know whose birthday's today? Yeah. Who? Doesn't matter. Oh. Happy birthday to... Name redacted. Name redacted. Name redacted. Name redacted. No, it's my sister's birthday. They're twins. Happy birthday, Ellen B. And then happy birthday to my friend Buzz, who suggested the National Album. Happy birthday. I know you're not going to listen, but happy birthday. Now you may continue. Okay. Are you sure? No. Okay. June 23rd, 1962. The film soundtrack to West Side Story went to number one on the UK charts for the first time. It spent a total total of 13 weeks at number one on seven different occasions. 1966. This is a game for you. The Beatles had their 10th consecutive UK number one single with this song. The track is marked by the boosted bass guitar sound throughout, partly in response to John Lennon demanding to know why, a ba- why the bass on a certain Wilson Pickett record far exceeded the bass on any Beatles record. It was also cut louder than any other Beatles record due to, the new, due to a new piece of equipment used in the mastering process. Hmm, okay. What's the song? Mm. We talked about it, I believe, last week. I don't know. Paperback writer. Oh, okay. 1973. George Harrison started a five-week run at number one on the U.S. album chart with Living in the Material World, his second U.S. number one. His third studio album was the follow-up to the 1970s acclaimed All Things Must Pass and his massive charity project, The Concert for Bangladesh. Okay. This is interesting and We'll get more into this artist soon. 1975. During a show in Vancouver, Canada, this artist fell from the stage and broke six of his ribs. Oh, I've heard about... Who is it? Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1976. Paul McCartney and Wings played the last date on their Wings Over America tour at the Forum in Los Angeles. Okay, that makes much more sense now that I reread this. 1989, George Michael received the Silver Clef Award for Outstanding Achievements to British Music, not the Silver Chef Award, which is, which is what I thought it originally <laughs> said, and which is why I was so very confused. Here's, here's an interesting one for you. It's another guessing game for you, okay? okay. 1990, Elton John had his first UK solo number one single with what? After char- achieving over 50 UK hits and six chart toppers in the U.S. In 90? 
90 was his first UK number one. I don't know what came out that late. It wasn't Lion King, because that was later. Yeah, and then the Candle, Candle in the Wind, Wind was 97. Yeah. I don't know. What was it? Sacrifice. I slash didn't. Healing Hands. So I don't know if that's the full mm-hmm. title of one, or if that's mm-hmm. the A-side and B-side. Okay, here's another guessing game. I like guessing games. They're fun. 1990. 13-year-old, name redacted, followed a five filed a $500,000 lawsuit against this artist claiming he suffered nightmares and bedwetting problems after an incident outside her home when she allegedly flung him to the ground. It's a musician. Yeah, most of these have to do with music. But it's against a female. I guess a female musician. I don't know. Madonna. I was going to guess Madonna, but I didn't. No, okay. And then, it was really that long ago, 2009, this artist pled guilty to one count of assault on his former girlfriend. Chris Brown. Yeah, I didn't realize that was that long Mm -hmm. ago. And then, there were a bunch of people that I don't recognize dead. So, Uh, 2016, American bluegrass artist Ralph Stanley. 2019, American musician Dave Barfault. Dave Bartholomew died of heart failure at 100. And in 21, Peter Zinoviev, Z-I-N-O-V-I-E-F-F, died at 88. In the late 1960s, his company, Electronic Music Studios, made the VCS-3, a synthesizer used by many early progressive rock bands such as Pink Floyd, and Krautrock groups, as well as more pop-oriented artists, including Todd Rundgren and David Bowie. Okay. And then I have a story for you. All right. So an old man is lying in his bed, dying, and he smells his wife's, or he smells his favorite cookies that are made by his wife in the kitchen. So with all of his strength, he crawls out of bed and crawls down to the kitchen and reaches for a cookie, and his wife smacks his hand with a spatula and says, Those are for the funeral. <laughs> are you proud of yourself? Yes. All right. So, so, recommendations. Recommendations. Do I have any recommendations? What have we been doing? I'll recommend to pet the cat. I don't think I have any recommendations. We haven't really done a lot. Because we, we had a bit... Oh, I had a busy weekend. Friend was in town. What did we do? And then uh, here's a recommendation: learn the actual lyrics to "Kickstart My Heart" by Motley Crue. <laughs> How old is that video? 2015. Time has not been kind to Vince Neil. Somebody, somebody, um, did one of those like kind of a bad lip reading video on Vince Neil doing uh, Kickstart My Heart. I've been laughing at it for days. I just, I'm not even going to do it now, but that's kind of funny. It's older, but I recommend that. Yay, YouTube. Okay, so, um, is that, is that it? We done? That's all I got. All right. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far um you can find us on instagram and uh or nope just instagram at worst pod on mars find us on facebook worst podcast on mars send us an email worst pod on mars at gmail.com 
um, stop by, say hi. Um, on Tuesdays, we do these little itty bitty small episodes where we do, we t- take an album that's not on this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list and I give you a couple facts about it and we give you a little review um, and send us a suggestion and we can we can definitely check out one of yours. Um, give us a rating, give us a review, and I'll read the review uh, here. Maybe elsewhere. I don't know. I don't know. I'm tired, and this is starting to kick in. Yay, heart Nobody can see it because it's an audio media. Uh, come back next week when we're doing Tupac's Me Against the World. Okay, bye bye.